Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode number 26 of the podcast and I'm really excited to share this episode today as I'm joined by one of my favourite people on Instagram and the interweb, Brianna Diorio. So Brianna, if you're not already following her on Instagram, which I highly recommend, Brianna is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, certified personal trainer and a holistic lifestyle coach from the Czech Institute. She received her bachelor's in Spanish whilst also receiving two minors in communication and health studies. She continued on to graduate school and receive her master's of science in human nutrition from the University of Bridgeport. She's also currently enrolled in a PhD program at the University of Natural Health, pursuing her doctorate in holistic nutrition. Brianna is currently the global educator at Vitality Works, a private label health and nutraceutical company based out of New Mexico and she's had her own private practice for over five years now. She's currently working as a clinical nutritionist specialising in alternative health, functional medicine and dietary supplements, working with a vast array of clients and businesses to support and improve their health and dietary needs. She believes in taking a holistic root cause approach to wellness whilst also implementing and placing importance on finding balance and getting back to the basics, making lasting lifestyle changes. So when Brianna isn't in research mode and geeking out, you can find her playing out in the sun, getting that daily D, hiking, hitting the slopes, or on the search for the perfect cup of espresso because she's part Italian and she loves a good cup of coffee. So we dive into some of these subjects in this episode. We discuss what the foundations of health are. So relationships, family, nutrition, lifestyle, but also when some of these things can go a little bit too far, particularly healthy eating and exercise. People are going to more, more towards orthorexic tendencies, which obviously isn't great. We cover Brianna's top recommendations for different hormonal imbalances, including some of the lifestyle and herbal medicine support that she would recommend when working with clients dealing with things like weight gain, weight loss resistance, Um, fatigue and hormonal imbalances, why we shouldn't be stressed about stress and finally a rapid fire so I ask her to share her thoughts on different subjects like CBD, ketogenic diets, medical medium, intermittent fasting and caffeine. So I think we all know what she's going to say about the caffeine but yeah she's so knowledgeable and she's one of the funniest people that you could follow on Instagram and admit the joke that she should definitely go into comedy if nutrition doesn't work out because she's absolutely hilarious. So please go and follow her on Instagram at Brianna Diorio. I'll include the links in the show notes. But let's get into the episode with Brianna Diorio right now. 
Hi, Brianna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting all things herbs and hormones and health with you. Yes, we can geek out. So I know that we're, we're friends on Instagram and we have a lot of the same approaches and ideas and approach to health, I think. So I'm yeah, excited to connect with you today and get to dive into some of these geeky but interesting and fascinating subjects. Definitely. It's funny. I actually, every day, I feel like I mute new people on Instagram and yours is like one of the only stories that I don't <laughs> for other people. So That's yeah, good. you always have great information. I love that you're putting out there. Thank you. That's a good sign. So <laughs> it seems like you have like the best job ever. You're traveling around the country, working remotely, dropping knowledge on herbs, nutrition, all those good things. How did you get into this? And is healthcare and well-being and nutrition something that you'd always wanted to do? Yeah, I feel super grateful for what I do. There are some days where I'm like, I can't believe that I get paid to do this because, and then there's also some days where I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing any work, but I'm really doing work because I mm-hmm. go on these rabbit holes. But no, I had originally gone to school to be a Spanish teacher. So my undergraduate was in Spanish with a, I had a minor in health studies and a minor in communication, but that is also when I got my personal training certification. And that for me is what really changed a lot of things. Um, I played sports my whole life and was always very active and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But I remember being in work one day, uh, like personal training clients and wearing like workout pants and everybody around me was weird into health things. And I was like, people make money for this. This is super (laughs) cool. And uh, the nerd in me who really always loved kind of getting to the the root cause of things. I was always just picking up like random health magazines. I was really into bodybuilding. Um, My brother and I used to work out together a lot. And from there, I just realized that, you know, I could make a living out of that. So I went to graduate school and got my master's um, in holistic nutrition from the University of Bridgeport. Um, So from there, it kind of just took off. I got some other certifications. I had some really cool opportunities. And, um, you know, I had my own nutrition practices. I started that about six years ago. And then I just really like the education side of things. Um, my mom was a history teacher for 34 years and I originally went to school to be an educator. And so I think anybody who's really good at what they do and they really love what they do, um, they're a teacher on some level. And I think that's also just the best way to learn something is to teach it. Hmm. I think that definitely comes across so well on your Instagram. So if if someone isn't following you currently, I highly recommend it. You're so funny. You get entertainment whilst you're learning. That's the best type, in my opinion. You're one of the funniest people that I know. <laughs> if you wasn't doing this, you should go into comedy. <laughs> people tell me that all the time. I'm like, all right, yeah, if, if nutrition doesn't work out, I think I'll just make a lateral move into stand-up comedy. But yeah, exactly. I think a lot of that goes, you know, my, my mom being a history teacher, I think that was a big part of it because history could be like really boring, right? And so she would always say it's a lot about being able to just tell a good story and keep kind of people, she was teaching eighth graders. So the attention span for that, I think is pretty low. So for me as well, sitting through a lot of lectures and trying to learn and a way for me to understand it is kind of things like picture prompts and just making it funny. So if I can mix education and humor and people get a good time out of learning, I think it's a win-win for everybody involved. Mm. And I think your parents, you commonly, uh, they make an appearance on your stories as well. And I could tell they've got that same sense of humor as you. So yeah, (laughs) they're wild for sure. (laughs) So what do you feel are like the basics when it comes to health? Do you feel like nutrition is number one or is it all about fitness for you? What's your opinion? 
So if you would have asked me this, like when I first started my career, I would have been like, it's all about nutrition. That's it. Um, you know, if your nutrition is not on, on par, then you're really, it doesn't matter anything else you do. And as I've been in the industry for a while, um, and then having just worked with lots of clients as well over the years, it, and even my own health, you know, issues in my own health journey, um, it's, nutrition is one small piece of the, the health puzzle, if you will. Uh, it's definitely really important. I mean, you know, food is information to ourselves. Dr. Mark Hyman says that all the time on something he preaches forever. Um, but there's so many other things that define what health is. You know, for some people, health is the absence of disease. For some people, um, health is not feeling symptoms every day, like not being tired and not losing their hair and being happy with their, you know, mind body connection. So I think all of it plays a role. And I think it's very important to kind of know where you are in your health continuum. So nutrition is important. Movement is important. Um, Dr. Paul check, he's not a doctor, but Paul check talks about the four doctors. It's Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement, Dr. Rest. Um, and I forget the fourth one, but kind of, I think that's kind of a really nice basic overview of that is kind of saying what are all, you know, the bigger macro pictures of, what I want to be working on with my health. So, you know, making sure you're moving every day. Sleep is so important. Um, you know, stress, whether that's past traumas or current stress that you have going on, being realistic with yourself as well, you know, like implementing health goals that are realistic, sustainable, and maintainable. And then of course, optimizing nutrition and what that means to you. Some people are really hung up on, you know, defining what nutrition is to them. If it's macros or paleo or keto, some people focus more on, you know, blood type dieting. Um, and then some people are really just focusing on removing foods that aren't so great. So I, I think it's really important to kind of be realistic with yourself and understand, okay, I have 20 things I want to work on with my health, but right now the low hanging fruit for me might just be cleaning up my diet, or maybe I haven't worked out in five years. So I'm going to just start moving two days a week. So I think that's important as well to have kind of this, this bigger picture approach of saying it's all connected and interrelated. So anything can affect anything in a positive or negative way. Yeah. And I love your approach. You're not on one camp or you're not never eat this, always eat this. You take a very general approach and make sure everyone has an individual um, approach. Everyone's different, which I really appreciate. Um, we're definitely going to touch on some of those diets that you mentioned <laughs> later on. I want to get your opinion on those as well. Um, you mentioned Paul Cech, Dr. Mark Hyman. Are these the people that you kind of look up to? Are there any other people in the industry who you respect their advice? Yeah. So those are people, I mean, when I was younger in my career, for sure, they were kind of like the forefathers of, I think, functional medicine before everybody was talking about it and before it became as cool as it is now, um, as well as people like, you know, Dr. Mercola, uh, I think as well, were some of those people who were, were writing those articles back in the day before people were talking about it. Um, nowadays, for me, I have a hard time really following any one set practitioner, because I feel like what's the trend in the health industry now is everybody's kind of looking for their, their spin on whatever it is, or being the expert in their field. So they're the hormone expert or the gut expert or the paleo expert or whatever it is. And I think that that's not always great um, to have such a myopic view because then it doesn't allow you to be objective with research and science and things like biochemical individuality. So for me, my main thing now is I really just spend a, a good portion of my days reading through research articles like PubMed articles and different journals and things like that, because I really want to know more so the mechanism of action and, um, 
the science behind it and kind of just dig deeper. And I think sometimes, and I think that is a natural progression with anybody's career as you get further in your career and you know, you work with more clients and you do more educating, you kind of have to get deeper with, well, how is this affecting our body? What cells is it turning on and off? How is it working on genetics? And like, what does that even mean? Because a lot of times we just generalize things and then people will just sort of regurgitate that, but not really know what that means and how it's affecting them personally. So um, I would say research articles are my new practitioners, if you will. Mm -hmm. And even though I say kind of specialize and work a lot with hormones and gut health, I still try and avoid becoming too myopic and just for looking and focusing on that because I think that's where functional medicine can become a lot like conventional medicine we can kind of have an endocrinologist a gastroenterologist and they don't piece the puzzles together and so I see that being a common issue starting to develop in functional medicine are there any are there any other kind of negatives of functional medicine that you see appearing commonly I think people are are using it almost as a crutch too much now. Like, and I, I get it because functional medicine was suppressed for so long. Um, and so I, I feel like a lot of the people in the function of med- medicine field are like, Hey, we, you know, people thought we were kind of like this hippy dippy doctor woo woo stuff. And now people are gaining credibility in that. And that's great, but people are relying on it. I think too much now, you know, like from day one, sometimes they'll work with a practitioner and they'll say, okay, we need to run 70 different labs and you need to go see this and you have to start, you know, spending thousands of dollars. And like, that's overwhelming for people. And most of the times, a lot of it is really just kind of listening to your patient or your client because and I've talked about this on other podcasts as well, like most of us who are in the functional fitness and functional health realm, we believe in things like traditional Chinese medicine and herbs and Ayurvedic principles and all this. And all of those practitioners weren't being like, hey, you need to run a GI map test and do your Dutch test and uh, food sensitivity. They were like, what's going on? How long have you been feeling like this? What's your social support system like? Are you stressing out? Like, What's your relationships like? All these other things. And then just listening to what's happening in their body. And I I think we've kind of gotten so far removed from that. And so we're relying on um, a lot of these tests and even things like I'm seeing this now with supplements and herbs, we're using them allopathically, which is not how it's intended to be used. So I think um, it's, you know, just making sure that we're still getting back to some of those basic principles, which are very basic things. I agree with that 100%. And I think it's a little bit more extreme in some cases in America from what I've seen. Um, them recommending like cryotherapy, infrared saunas, all of these like crazy expensive things. Um, and the, the simple overlooked things like sleep. Are you managing your stress? Are you, um, are you sleeping well? Are you eating good foods? Are you hydrated? Those things can get overlooked or missed commonly. Totally. And I mean, like I, uh, my brother lives in Portugal. And so, you know, like once a year, we always do like a big trip. We like went to Italy last year, we went to Spain this year. Um, And you go to, you know, places like Europe and and things where people have better quality of life and all that. And they're not quote biohacking their life. And I mean, there obviously are people in the fields who are doing that, but a lot of them are just going back to the basics. Like I always joke and say, like, I just want to live on, like have this farm life one day because they're just out there, you know, like they're having siestas. It's a real thing. You can't get anything done from like two to 8 PM. Um, they're ha- they're laughing, they're drinking wine here and there, not counting every single macro and you know, they're not super stressed. I mean, so there's a lot more life work balance. And I, and I talk about this a lot too. In America, we say work life balance and 
I think the European mindset is much more life work balance, like where they're putting life first and work comes second. And so again, it's all kind of just like, I, you know, how I preach a lot, like meet yourself where you are and kind of understanding what's important to you. And, and I, I think for some people, when they get into it, I think they mean well, they're super excited and they just, they have been feeling so unwell for so long that they just really want to feel good. So they're like, I'll do whatever I have to do. And that's where I get upset with some of these practitioners or quote health coaches or whatever it is, because they will start them off with things like biohacking and taking all of this and doing all these crazy things and like sit upside down and freeze. And I'm like, yeah, we can get there eventually, but like, let's just like, you know, move a little bit. Let's drink some purified water. Let's, you know, look at the ingredients in your supplements and all that kind of stuff. And then if you want to like be, you know, crazy health fanatic, like, cool, we'll work our way towards that eventually. And with the crazy work hours um, and yeah, just people focusing on the career, building the careers too much and not having that good work-life balance. How much is stress impacting our health? Would you say that's number one? We all need to make that our priority or um, do you not see, do you not see like mental stress being a big factor? Oh no, OSHA has actually defined stress as hazardous to the workplace. I mean, we spend $300 billion a year on stress-related like work issues and 90% of doctor's visits are attributed to stress. But with that being said, just like anything that's going on in the health industry, it has been way oversimplified and we're always looking to villainize things. So everyone now is totally afraid of stress. Everything is anti-stress, anti-cortisol, anti-inflammation, and that's a really bad thing. I mean, we saw this happen with our immune systems where We've developed soft immune systems. Um, you know, the hygiene hypothesis is something that happened, you know, where we're now, you know, becoming resistant to all these different bacteria and things like that. So if we don't have some stress in our life, um, and, I, and I say this to clients all the time, I'm like, listen, the goal is not to remove all the stress in your life. Like that would be really bad. Um, what we want to do is learn what our triggers are because that's really important and also develop a health arsenal or a toolbox that for when you have these stressful events coming up like or happening knowing what things you can do to you know titrate up different herbs and supplements or maybe things that you can do for you time like go and get acupuncture go you know walk outside maybe take a long drive listen to music whatever it is so that you know how to deal with stress and modulate or modify the stress response um, and then a big part of that as well is you know, shifting your mindset as to what stress is. You know, if you can't change the situation, you need to learn to change your perception of the situation. And a lot of that falls back on us. And that's a power that we have that we will just, I think, kind of use stress as the scapegoat of saying, well, I'm too stressed with work and I'm too stressed with this. And a lot of the times it's our own bullshit that we're just not being realistic with, where we are actually actively participating in unhealthy relationships. We're giving our time and energy to people and thoughts and places that you know, don't serve us well. And I talk about this all the time, like pro-inflammatory people, pro-inflammatory thoughts. That's a huge part of it too. And then you add on top of that environmental stressors, biological stressors, chemical stressors, like then yeah, your stress bucket is overflowing. But stress is not the only thing that we need to blame. Um, and it's not the only problem that we have dealing with when it comes to our health. But it is a huge contributing factor. That's true. And yeah, even last week I had a client who... We got some lab work done and she had very high DHEAS levels, um, which was driving like her PCOS symptoms. So I was explaining how the adrenals make certain androgens like this, um, which is contributing to your symptoms. So I said, stress management is going to be very important for you. Um, we need to make sure that you're having downtime. You're not 
getting yourself kind of worked up with minute stresses in your day-to-day life but me saying that made her even more stressed she was like oh my god so I can't be stressed at all and that was having the the wrong kind of the the wrong approach that I wanted to have so you kind of have to just I said just do the best that you can don't let yourself get to the place of meltdown from the smallest thing take time out of your day but we can't avoid stressors we can't live in a bubble we have to get on with our day-to-day life and just do the best that we can yeah and I think I've probably said this to every single client and every single podcast I've ever been on I always tell people don't stress about stress because that's not helping anybody involved so I think that's also you know people kind of get caught up in you know I have to fix 30 different things and um, again they're just taking this super hyper vigilant you know approach to health and we need to sort of just take a step back sometimes, but that people don't want to do that work. Like week one, I would say 97% of my clients, one of their assignments during their week one homework, if you will, is I want you to write a list of 10 things that are quote you time. So like you time anti-stress things. And like, that's really hard for people. They can maybe, maybe name like one or two things, but to number one, actually write out 10 things. And then when I say to them, I need you to do one of these every single day, that's a lot harder than saying, I'll just take a supplement at 8am. Like mm-hmm. people just don't want to do that work. So that's a big part of it too. And that's why I always tell people like, you have to also kind of stop fulfilling these own, you know, like, you know, mindset that you have and what you've created around it too. And like, you have to be realistic about how you're contributing to your own bullshit with your health and, you know, where you've gotten to your health. It's so much easier to take an adaptogen though. <laughs> totally, exactly. So people are like, yeah, I don't want to like work on me and like maybe do therapy or go to acupuncture or, you know, they're like, I would rather just do X, Y, Z. So it's a lot, it's, you know, it's a lot harder as far as um, getting started with it. But I think it's, again, it's like building any habit and undoing any unhealthy habit. Like a lot of the work that I think most of us do, like people like you and I, is helping people unlearn habits that have gotten gotten them to the place that they are in currently. So that, again, just takes time and you have to give time time. And, you know, most, I mean, I know myself, like, you know, I joke about this a lot, being a recovering super spaz. Um, and my mom will be the first person to attest to this. I, she's always like, what, Brianna, do you want like a date on a calendar for something? And I'm like, yeah, that would be really nice. Um, but it's hard sometimes to sort of just trust the journey. And especially for, for women, if it's like a, a body fat thing or a weight loss thing, like you want to speed up that process. And what I always tell people is like, listen, the time is passing regardless, whether you want to actively participate or not. Like, so you might as well do what the most that you can, you know, contribute and control. Um, Cause there's a lot of things and a lot of X, Y, Z factors that we don't have control over. So actively participate in making that time that's going to pass regardless, the best that you can make it. And what are some of the things that you love to do? What are your relaxation de-stress favorites so actually something i do every single day is i will laugh at instagram on memes oh for God. like i kid you not like a good 20 minutes like i, I laugh at your memes that's, that's my huge thing is you know i anybody who sees my posts i always will do like a meme and then i do the education part mm. of it mixing education and humor but I have a couple of friends on Instagram who I just will send like 30 memes to in a row and we'll send memes (laughs) back and forth to each other because laughing like we should just all have you know like a silly goose time you know like 
being unhealthy can be stressful. I get it. And working through your health issues can be stressful. And living life is, there's like a lot that we have going on. So sometimes I think we just make things really serious and we make things more complicated. And it's like, let's just all not take ourselves so seriously all the time, you know? Um, so laughing at memes is something I love doing. I always joke and I'm like, I get it. The EMS, that's, that's what's going to take me out. Um, <laughs> so I turn my Wi-Fi off, but you know, I enjoy that. Um, and then, you know, even like little things, like I love being outside in nature. So I'll just go for a walk, you know, like whether that's, you know, at the beach or um, outside, even like just listening to loud music that could be in your apartment um, or it could be driving in the car, you know, like just driving around and listening to that, calling a friend. Um, I call my, you know, mom like 12 times a day. So, you know, that. Um, so there's any, you know, I think there's a lot of things that you could do. Reading articles for me is something that I enjoy doing. Um, I spend a lot of my uh, social life at health food stores and salad bars. So, you know, I think it just depends what it is that you like doing. And just, and I, and I tell people this too, like just because it's healthy or everybody else loves doing it doesn't mean that you have to do it. So for example, like, you know, I'm a big proponent of acupuncture and cupping. I really love that. Like for me, it's really relaxing. If I told a client, like, you should go and get acupuncture and they're like afraid of needles or they don't like it. Why, why would they go do that? They're going to be stressed going into it. Or if I'm like, yeah, you should go walk outside. And they're like, I hate being outside. That's not going to work either. So just because I like, it doesn't mean, you know, that they're going to like it too. So I think it really, again, goes back to knowing yourself and meeting yourself where you are and just starting small, you know, it can be, like I said, just making a cup of tea or, you know, watching a funny video, like all these things that are pretty much free and simple and easy and very, very basic. Yeah, I swear we're just like the same person. <laughs> All of those things, I'm like, yep, yep, that's me, that's me. I think we're just the same across the pond. <laughs> yeah, totally. Kindred souls. Yes. And yeah. um, one of my fellow practitioners, he's kind of in the biohacking community and he was telling us a story about him giving HRV monitors to all of his clients and asked them to de-stress. And when they were meditating, this one particular guy, his... He was in the red zone, so he was stressed out. <laughs> that would be me. Like meditation, yeah. yoga stresses me out. I want exactly. nothing to do with it. And at one point of the day, he was in the green, so he, his HIV yeah. was high, which indicates good like relaxation. And he asked him what he was doing, and he was actually cleaning his car. That was That's his, amazing. Yeah, that was his totally. stress relief. So that just shows if you're someone who, like us, doesn't really do well with meditation, and your thing is walking in nature, then just do that, even if it's not what's promoted on Instagram or what you hear from other people is the best thing. It's what works for you. Totally. I mean, there's even studies that talk about, I mean, you know, color therapy is a real thing as well. So people looking at certain colors like yellow and blue can be very calming. Um, they now have like the adult coloring books, mm. you know, um, there's places where you can go and scream in rooms and like hit things. <laughs> I mean, it can be anything, you know what I mean? But that if I had to go and do yoga for an hour, that would like, I would just, break out in hives I would want no <laughs> well, for me it doesn't you know even though I know all the health benefits like my personality which probably means that I should be doing it but I don't want to so I would do something else mm, true and on the subject of exercise um I think that you're into like strength training if I'm correct that's yeah. like your your type of exercise that you prefer is there anything that you recommend for most people or again is it very individualized yeah. So do what you like. If you're somebody who let's say hates um, waking up early in the morning and you hate cardio, would I suggest to you like signing up for an orange theory kind of class or a boot camp at 5am? Probably not. Right. Because like, 
and I say this about supplements, I say this about your health routine and your exercise routine, like 70% compliance equals 70% results, 100% compliance equals 100% results. Obviously that's, you know, varying, whatever, because everybody will be like, oh, it's I was 100% and I didn't get 100%. So take that with a grain of salt. But um, so I think it's figuring out what you like, you know, um, and I think it's also your body does change over the years. I used to be a hardcore CrossFitter, like I was all about it. I had opened up a CrossFit gym, like now that I'm a little bit older, I don't have any desire to PR a back squat and like try and, you know, deadlift as heavy as I can for time. Like I just don't want to do it. So I still do it because it's social and it's fun. Um, but I don't go super heavy with that now. I love bodybuilding workouts. That's kind of how I grew up um, working out with my brother. Um, so for me, I like that. I like the way my body looks when I do it, but I've also gone through phases where I was doing Pilates because that was fun. Or, you know, I always, I always tell people too, like, you don't have to even be in the gym. It can just be movement. I think sometimes for women, I see it a lot. Um, they're overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. So I'm like, listen, just get, join a group class, get a group on, um, find what you like kettlebell group training. It doesn't have to be, you know, an hour of whatever, a a booty bar class or dying on a treadmill. Like you can find something you enjoy with like-minded people. It can be a hiking club. Um, it's the summer out now, so you can go paddle boarding, you can go kayaking, like just get outside and move and play. Uh, and don't think of it so much as I have to do 30 minutes of this seven times a week, or I have to do this many amounts of sets, like just gain some consistency and gain some positive momentum and then try different things out. And then through that community, you'll probably meet other people who will be like, Hey, why don't you come join this class with me and try this? And then, you know, you, you should do what, what it is you enjoy and listen to your body. Like, you know, I, there was a phase where I was doing, um, you know, F45 is something that we have here in America. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think it started in Australia. Uh, but it's like group style class. It's like functional fitness, quote, functional fitness, whatever that means interval style training. Um, and when I was first got into it, I was like super addicted to it. I loved it. I was doing it like five days a week and then my body got really tired and fatigued. So I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I started doing it just two days a week. So it's also being able to modify what it is that you love as well. And if some people were in your situation and they started to feel like it wasn't being affected, they'd start to do six, seven days a week for back-to-back -back classes and push through the the symptoms that they were having so you actually listen to your body and swap that out are there any other common mistakes that you see people making in terms of fitness exercise yeah and i i actually ask this to pretty much everybody on one of their intake forms if they're a client of mine i'll ask them when you work out do you feel better or worse and a lot of people will say i feel worse after i work out and so to me that tells me that your body you are pushing yourself way past what you should be going through. Cortisol peaks at around 40 minutes regardless, like during exercise. So a lot of these classes that are like 60 minutes of high intensity, that's really hard on the body. Um, so I would suggest, you know, just starting small with that. And then what a big issue that I see with people is over-exercising, under-eating, under-resting, under-sleeping, because recovery is actually a huge part of that. And I get it because it's a, it's a catch-22. Like, I love working out. That's one of my stress relief. Um, but it's hard sometimes for people when you start gaining momentum, you start to feel good, you start to look good. So you want to keep going. Um, but your body is really doing a lot of its repair mode when you are recovering and actually not in the gym or taking an active rest day. So sometimes you have to kind of just taper that back too. So, um, you know, kind of listening to your body, make sure if you are working out more, like you're really loving it, then you're feeding yourself enough food, uh, not killing yourself with like a lot, a lot of cardio and then a lot, a lot of heavy weightlifting. Like you can oscillate all of these things. You know, you can do weeks where you're maybe doing a, a heavier, you know, 
push on weights and then your cardio is lower or vice versa. So also, um, if you don't know what to do or you don't know where to start, like hire a coach, you know, there's good programs out there. There's workout templates. You can follow like a four week, 12 week, um, kind of template like that, doing different ways of working out. If you're going to, you know, do periodization with your weightlifting and all that. Um, maybe you like Olympic style weightlifting where you're doing less reps and you're focusing more on technique. So I think also outsourcing what you're not great at until you can learn more about it as well and learning to listen to your body and working with a coach maybe who can look at your technique and look at your form, um, and, and see how you're doing actually in the gym as well. Uh, and over-exercising, exercise addiction is very common these days as well because of those those reasons that you mentioned. How often do you see kind of being too healthy, getting to orthorexic tendencies? Is that very common? I'd kind of expect it in California, which is like the health mecca of the world. Um, I see Instagrammers and bloggers only eating salads, only doing raw vegan juices. Is that a real problem that you, you saw when you lived in California? Yeah, I think anytime that you're too extreme with anything, it's not healthy. I think that's not the point of being healthy. Um, I actually just did a post the other day and I was like, if you can't go out on the weekend and like have tacos and a margarita with your friends, then like you're you're in the wrong fitness program. And I'm not promoting drinking. Like if you're not into it, like I get it. Just meaning that you shouldn't be so stressed out that if your friends invite you to dinner on a Tuesday night, you say to yourself, like, I'm out of macros. I can't go. Or, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I can't go and have a drink with them. Like you mm-hmm. need to be able to have balance because being too stressed out about that as well, like that's again, stress is stress to the body. So um, being over obsessed with the way you look. And, and I think a lot of that goes back to self-esteem Um, A lot of that goes back to self-worth and asking yourself like, well, why, if I lose, you know, two more pounds, am I really going to be happier or am I going to get there? And then it's destination happiness, right? Like I'll get there and then I'll find something new I don't like about my body. And so I think for some people, it's also an escape for them of being like, well, I have these other issues that I'm not, that's why people do things like overeating and overexercising, right? Like, because it releases our beta endorphins and it makes us feel good. And, you know, we again, we're the social instant the Instagram and all this stuff that we live in now, we're looking for instant validation all the time. And so we're looking for these constant dopamine hits. So we post a half naked selfie and we get some likes and comments and we feel really good for a little bit, but then that goes away. And so people say, um, and you see this with people who like lose weight a lot too. In the beginning, you know, you're getting a lot of compliments where people will say, you look really great. Like what have you been doing? But that goes away and people also get addicted to that and they kind of get a self sense of self-worth from that. So once that goes away, if you're not happy with yourself and understanding why you're doing this in the first place, then I think it's just going to be an endless cycle of you not feeling happy, not feeling fulfilled, um, and then having this body dysmorphia, having a poor relationship with food, and then just not having balance in general. So I think a lot of it, you know, these people who are posting that they're, you know, so shredded and so happy, like, they're not. I mean, I did fitness competitions back in the day. I looked super shredded. It was cool, but I was tired all the time. I had no social life. Um, I was bringing my food and Tupperwares everywhere. Like that was not healthy on any level. Right. So I think a lot of that too, I, I joke now a lot. And I'm like, Instagram needs to just like break again and blow up because people need to just like take a step back and, and say, you know, there's a lot more to life than how your body looks for random strangers on the internet. Like if you're not ultimately happy, if you don't have a good relationship, if you can't go, uh, and you know, have a meal with your friends and families and, and stress out about that, then you have to really take a step back and be like, what's going on deeper here and why aren't I happy with who I am as a person I've personally been there as well with orthorexic tendencies but mine wasn't 
with the aesthetic goals or um, anything like that or fitness. Mine was for health reasons. So when my, my gut was a mess, my hormones were terrible, I couldn't tolerate a lot of food. So I was the one who would take Tupperware to restaurants, cancel plans, not go anywhere, those types of things. Do you see that being an issue as well, like being too obsessive with food when you're trying to control your health? Definitely. And, and again, it's a very slippery slope because I do get it. I feel for some people, they have been dealing with these issues for a very, very long time. They finally found a plan where they're feeling good. Um, and I, and people will health shame them, you know, like, and, and that's not cool. You know, I think that's almost like a form of bullying where people give you a hard time for saying, just eat this cookie and like, just have this pizza. And you know, they, I call them health haters, right? Like they're giving you a bag of shit because you want to be healthy. Like, so that's not cool either, but there also is a fine line of, like I said, kind of at what, what is it costing you? Is it costing you relationships? Like, is it costing you a social life? Are you becoming more of a social recluse with that? Because again, all of those things, like there's good research about how we've evolved from these tribes of people and how having, you know, a social circle and all of that is, you know, healthy for us, how being too isolated is not healthy for us. So I think it, it kind of just depends where you are and again, why you're doing it. If it's a new, let's say you're doing something like an elimination diet and you're doing it for, a, you know, a month or six weeks, like that's fine. You know what I mean? Like that's great. But, um, if it's going to be something that's going to deter you from having balance in your life, then I think you do need to kind of assess that and, say like, okay, this is really not sustainable. I, I can't see myself doing this in like a year from now. Or if you, you know, got invited to go on a vacation with your friends or um, to be in a wedding or something like that. And your first thought is, oh man, what am I going to eat? Or how am I going to, what am I going to do? Like, that's a bigger issue. And so I, I think you have to really assess like what's going on, um, you know, from a big picture standpoint. And looking back, I, I definitely thought I was doing the best thing. I was trying to stay on track with my diet, not be exposed to certain intolerances and allergens and things. But looking back, I kind of think that spending time with my friends and family, eating out at the restaurant would have done me more benefit than yeah. bringing the restricted balanced meals along with me as well yeah yeah and i mean we talk you know i know you've posted about this and i post about this a lot i mean all of this starts in the hypothalamus the ceo of our you know of our body that brain center that's overseeing everything and so i think because of all the information that we have now and everybody is an ex quote expert in the field and whatever people i think are just making up some issues that they don't have and placebo and nocebo effects right like mind body connection that's a real thing psychoneuroimmunology is a field of research that talks about that how our mind can influence our immune system and our hormones um and so i think that people are thinking themselves into sickness like being hypochondriacs and all of that um on some level do i think that that's the big picture, like the whole thing. No, but I do think it's a contributing factor for some people where, um, you know, they're so hyper-focused and they're so obsessed with everything that their body is just like, I don't, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, okay, sure. You think you have an allergy to this? Like, okay, well, an allergy essentially is an overreaction of the immune system. And then the immune system overreacting is a response to excessive cortisol and inflammation. So like your body again is inherently trying to just protect you and be like, all right, fine, we'll go with this. And then it's often at our metabolic expense, our hormonal expense, and then our social expense now is what we're seeing. Yeah, Thought, thoughts become things. It's so yeah, true. Okay. You can kind of give yourself an anaphylactic shock just thinking that you're going to react to something. That's been kind of proven and experienced by a lot of people. If okay. you think you're going to get a stomachache from eating a meal, then you probably will do. 
I mean, you know, even things like to your point, like digestion and eating and meals, like that actually all starts with your brain. There's, there's brain scans that show even thinking about a food, how that can release things like dopamine, how your body starts to create um, saliva and things like that. Cause your body thinks that food is coming. So why would thoughts about food or anxiousness and things like that um, be any different? It wouldn't because your body's just always preparing you for what's next and, and what's happening. Absolutely. So what I want to do now is kind of go through some case studies. I want to pick your brain, see what you would do in these situations. And I've chosen some common hormonal imbalances um, that most people are struggling with. The first one is someone who's gaining weight or the, um, they have difficulty losing weight. Um, despite eating healthy, exercising regularly, they're kind of stuck. What would be your approach in terms of diet, lifestyle, and also herbal medicine? Yeah, so I would first see what's going on with the lifestyle piece. Um, you know, are they sleeping enough? Are they actually like drinking enough water? Um, what's their stress levels like? Right, like all like the basic kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and then a lot of people, I would, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they were not actually over consuming too many healthy foods. I see this all the time. People think just because it's sold in a health food store, it's got a health label on it, that they can eat whatever they want or however many amounts of it that they want. And that's not true. At the end of the day, hormones, of course, play an issue in it and micronutrient deficiencies, um, you know, your gut microbiome, uh, trace minerals, all of that plays a role, of course, in acting as coenzymes in the body and how your body absorbs nutrients and things like that. Uh, but creating a calorie deficit is how you're going to lose weight essentially on some level. So if you're eating seven handfuls of almonds a day and putting butter in your coffee and you're eating, um, you know, like a bunch of really fatty meats and all that, there's a good chance you're probably eating more than your body is burning. So, um, and most people actually don't even know what four ounces of chicken looks like or what four ounces of potatoes look like. So I would then suggest working on that, right? Like keeping a food journal. I think that that's important. People don't realize how much they're mindlessly snacking. Um, I call it little raccoon syndrome where you're having a bite of this here and a bite of that there. That stuff adds up over the day as well. Um, and seeing, and then for some people it's the opposite where they're actually, they think they're eating a lot and they're not really eating anything at all. Um, so their body is being way underfed. And again, your body has a sort of checks and, uh, you know, list of, of checks and priorities and says, okay, well, you know, um, your body doesn't care about you looking good naked, it cares about all these other things first. So um, slowing down, but seeing what's going on, of course, with the thyroid, seeing what's going on with your liver health as well, because that plays a role, of course, in how we're, you know, breaking down our hormones and what talk, quote, toxins are getting recirculated into our body. So I would start with, you know, doing a food journal for a couple of days and seeing what is actually going on with that. Um, I would definitely work on being mindful of your actual, uh, calories, if you will, as far as measuring some of the food out, just so you can get an idea for if you're eating out a lot, right? Like things like that. Um, being more label literate, again, just because you're buying it at a health food store or the salad bars, you know, even places like Whole Foods here in America, like they're putting a lot of oil and uh, refined oils and things like that. And if you're eating a lot of that, if you're getting these like these things like smoothies and pliables and smoothie bowls and all that kind of stuff. Like a lot of those are just calorie bombs. So you do have to be aware of that too. Um, and then, like I said, I would definitely look at 
seeing what they're doing with working out. Um, if they don't work out at all, starting slowly, maybe getting, you know, two or three days of movement in there or play time outside, um, adding in some, you know, weight training, if you can, to actually start building muscle because, you know, muscle is, you know, metabolically active and you're going to burn some more calories from that. Um, and then of course, optimizing things like sleep and then looking at things like what's going on with your hormone health, um, particularly, like I said, your thyroid, um, your liver, and you know, some of those stress hormones, cortisol, epinephrine, uh, non-epinephrine as well. And if it was, if it did turn out to be thyroid issues, are there any plant compounds or herbs that you'd recommend to support the thyroid and with the increase of exercise that you'd recommend are there any natural pre-workouts or help you um, build muscle or support recovery anything like that yeah so as far as thyroid goes i mean it would definitely depend on what's going on with your thyroid you know um liver gut health issues can play a role in thyroid because that is where a lot of the conversion of t4 to t3 is happening um there are definitely some certain adaptogens that can help like go to cola um, has been shown to be beneficial um, even things like ashwagandha uh, rhodiola, and then you know a lot of our trace minerals, so things like zinc and selenium, iodine, those all can play a role in what's going on with our thyroid health as well. Um, and then of course our adrenal glands play a big role in what's happening with the thyroid too. So um, things you know like uh, licorice root could be beneficial if you don't have blood pressure issues going on. Um, ginkgo, and then even some of the ginsengs like eleuthero um, or Panax ginseng, all of those. Um, as far as like a pre-workout goes, I always tell people like if you have to take a pre-workout, you maybe should not be working out yet, right? So like um, you could of course take things like you know coffee. I'm a big proponent of, of drinking cafe and uh, the co the compounds that are in there like chlorogenic acid and caffeic acid that are beneficial. Um, but if you're so exhausted, I would say the focus would be more on cleaning up some of those lifestyle pieces first, um, then layering in uh, what's going on with focusing on, on, on your macronutrients and your micronutrients, and then maybe adding in some of those you know, supplements as far as herbs go, adaptogens, and then some of those trace minerals as well. Perfect. And yeah, I just want to give the disclaimer that all of these supplements, please don't go out and just start taking them because take we're just, all of them. No, yeah. we're being very general here and we're just giving you some ideas um, as to what might work, but it's very personal and yeah, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> CQ10 is also a big, um, it's a, it acts like, you know, an antioxidant in the body. So that's also very important because it's a part of our electron transport chain and it produces, you know, 90% of the ATP in our body. So, and that is something after the age of 25, our production starts to decline and the conversion of that in our body as well. So that is something I see a lot with thyroid, um, people who are fatigued a lot. Um, and then just, again, your cells are essentially like, you know, the CoQ10 acts as kind of like this bio battery, if you will, um, for your cells. So that would be something that I think is beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah, CoQ10, magnesium, possibly zinc, they could be beneficial for most people. But when we're getting into like the herbs and things, mm -hmm. there's a lot of interactions with uh, different conditions, different medications. So just check with whoever you're working with before you go straight into those. Totally. The next case study is for a female. She's struggling with hormonal imbalances. So her periods are all over the place. Her menstrual cycle is so erratic. She's dealing with acne maybe some hair loss, PMS, what would be your approach in that? Cover it. We've covered like the basics, eating healthy diet, sleeping, those types of things. Any additional uh, recommendations? Yeah. So I think a lot of the times when we have hormone issues going on, um, it's generally an estrogen to progesterone thing. A lot of people talk about 
estrogen dominance. And that does not always mean that you have super high estrogen. It just can also mean that you have high estrogen relative to low, to low progesterone. Um, so kind of seeing what's going on with that. I would, I would want to know what's going on with their hormone history, like kind of how long their periods generally are, um, what kind of symptoms that they have. You should, yeah, it's okay to have some quote mild symptoms, but if you're like having aggressive PMS, if you like want to just like cry all the time during your period and you feel like you're going crazy, like that's definitely not normal. Um, so what I generally tell people is the luteal phase of their period, that last kind of the back nine before you actually get your period, that's a really good time to optimize some nutrients, um, particularly that are working on your hormone levels, like your prostaglandins and um, some of those other things that deal with uh, vasodilation and inflammation. So titrating up some things like krill oil the week prior on um, some of your omega fatty acids. Um, there's some good research on like evening primrose oil um, and GLA as well. Uh, and then of course, things like vitamin B6 um, and magnesium. Those are all really, really good kind of the week out during your period. Um, and then when you actually have your period, if you have issues going on, and let's say you have like you know, cramping and pain and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of that again works on a lot of those uh, pro-inflammatory enzymes, like you know the COX and the five locks enzyme, tumor neurosis factor, things like that. So there is actually pretty good research um, on green tea extract. Uh, melatonin can be beneficial for people who have things like endometriosis, um, cat's claw, boswellia. These are all really good herbs that are kind of um, they have some calming properties in the body. Um, white willow, even if somebody's maybe getting like headaches and things like that. Because again, a lot of that goes back to vasoconstriction, um, vasodilation issues, um, excessive inflammation, excessive heat in the body. So trying to calm all that down. And then of course, wanting to support, support um, your liver because that's a big player of what's going on with actually breaking down your estrogen in those two different phases. Um, as well as breaking down some of your other hormones too. So um, dandelion root tea can be really good for that. Um, things like yellow dock, which is really nice because that's also a blood revitalizer and making sure that things like your iron levels are in check. If you're bleeding a lot, that could be a problem too. Um, and then again, things like you know selenium, zinc, um, alpha lipoic acid, those are all things that can be really helpful to support the liver, which generally is an issue when you have um, a lot of hormonal fluctuations. Yeah, such great ideas there as well. Do you ever see people who don't tolerate herbs well? So I know that when, like a couple of years ago for me, when my gut was really bad, I was recommended to take herbal antimicrobials. But I later found out that I had a salicylate intolerance along with yeah. histamine sensitivity. Do you see that commonly? And what would your, your approach be to that? Mostly for people who have issues going on with histamine intolerance um, and things like SIBO sometimes. So staying away from some things like, you know, anything that's rich in cysteine, like NAC and some of those uh, precursor herbs as well. But the thing with antimicrobials, that is where I think people do uh, mess up a lot because many of them, they should not be on them for longer than like two weeks. So things like, you know, berberine and stuff like that, which are good for blood sugar and PCOS and all that. Um, so kind of cycling off of those like every two weeks as well. There's a lot of other great herbs like grapefruit extract can be used, um, you know, as well as, you know, like uh, black seed oil and um, just things that are, are rich in some of these thymoquinones and, and terpenes and stuff like that. So kind of just listening to your body. If you have a bad reaction to something, don't keep doing it. <laughs> I think that was my mistake. I was like, oh, I'm just detoxing. It's just a, 
I'm just kind of purging my skin. It was like hives and acne everywhere. <laughs> yeah. If it's lasting for like longer than, you know, like a day or two, that's maybe when you should say, maybe I shouldn't do this. Because there's other things you could do, like, you know, oil of oregano, you could do olive leaf. Um, thyme is like a really good one that, you know, people don't realize as well. Rosemary, like a lot of these have the same things, like the carvacrol, the thymol, um, the rosemary acid. Those are a lot of the compounds that work as antimicrobials and antibacterials. Um, but it doesn't mean again that you should be on them forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't do what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to your body. Yes. And my last question was about gut issues. So for someone who's struggling with maybe IBS, constipation, diarrhea, we've mentioned now some of the antimicrobial herbs that may be necessary if there is something like SIBO. Are there any like symptom relieving um, herbs or nutrients that you recommend for some of these things to just calm inflammation for reflux, anything like that? Yeah, totally. I mean, ginger root is like one of my go-tos for pretty much everything. It has so many amazing benefits um, for, you know, calming things down. Licorice root is also very nice as well as marshmallow root because those both work um, as expectorants and demulsants, meaning that they can calm things down, but they can also get things out of the body. So those can all be very nourishing on the mucous membranes. Um, and then, you know, things like uh, the DGL licorice can be good. And then I'm a big fan of just a lot of the herbs that you'll see in digestive bitters. So fennel and anise, um, you know, prickly ash, all of these things that can help with bile acid secretion, yellow dock, dandelion, um, burdock, all these things that can also tonify uh, the blood and be nourishing as tonics to the blood can be beneficial uh, to the GI tract as well. Yeah, I just love herbs. They're just so powerful. Do you think you'd ever train as like a herbalist or do you feel like you're good where you are? I mean, if there was enough time in the day, maybe if I could, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think herbalists, what they do is so amazing because going and actually spending time out like in the field and foraging mm -hmm. and all that. Um, I think there's experts in that. And I would like, like to, I know how I am as a person. I would want to be like, move off the map and like be so remote <laughs> and off the grid and like not talk to anybody. So I think for me, it's probably not, maybe if I have like a mental breakdown and I'm like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can imagine you with like your little basket and your apothecary and your tinctures. I think it'd be perfect. Yeah. Luckily, um, the company that I'm the uh, global educator for, uh, the owner of the company, his name is Mitch Coven. He's an herbalist himself. He had his own clinical practice for 17 years. Um, so he's a huge wealth of knowledge because he, you know, did this and he's the one who's manufacturing these herbs. So I've learned a lot from him about, you know, different decoctions and the percolations and the difference between, you know, dry herbs and and wild crafting and all that. So um, it's kind of like learning a whole nother language mm. or like learning how to be a master chef because there's just, there's so much to learn, you know, with that as well. And so they say that a lot of herbalists too will only actually study like 20 to 50 herbs and become like really, really mm. efficient at them. And there's thousands and thousands of herbs. So for me, I really like learning kind of as much as I can about as many of the things as I can and, and kind of still getting the science in there. But I, the other part of me is I am very like hippy dippy and listen to your body and holistic health. So I'm like, yeah, this is great because it works on your liver energy and it's great for, you know, and if you ever watch like an herbalist out in nature, they'll say like this herb spoke to me and I asked yeah. for permission. So I like kind of mixing all of that magic <laughs> together, you know? I think there's enough in that brain of yours anyway. I don't think there could possibly fit any more information in there. <laughs> you never know. You know, like I said, one day I always joke. I'm like, I think I'm going to just go off the grid and like move to Montana or something. Like a field in Italy and like maybe I'll become an herbalist then. So maybe in my later half of my life. Yeah, you can build your own community. I'll come yeah. over there. I'll come visit you and we'll go forage yeah. something together. Sounds perfect. Perfect. 
So before we finish up, I want to get like a, your opinion on a lot of different trends. So can we do like a rapid fire on some different subjects just so I can see your approach to some of these things? Definitely. The first thing is the ketogenic diet. Yikes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the ketogenic diet is, it's definitely, it has its benefits for certain people. Um, again, I think it's just been way oversimplified and kind of used as a catch-all for people. Um, depending on what your relationship is with food and your hormones, I think you should know a little bit about weighing out food and what a certain amount of food looks like. Like, again, you should not just be eating as much fat as you can all throughout the day. There are benefits to carbohydrates, particularly for your thyroid health and actually converting, you know, T4 to T3. Um, for women, if you're working out a lot, um, I, there are benefits, of course, for, you know, growth hormone, insulin resistance, and things like that. So I don't think anything, and I, and I talk about this all the time, I don't think any one thing should be forever. So if you think you want to try out keto, that's great. Make sure you're actually like monitoring your blood ketones. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. And not just doing like a bro diet where you're just eating super low carb and just eating whatever you want. And then also still focusing on the quality of your protein. So like organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised, wild caught, all that good stuff. And then making sure that you are aware of things like your trace minerals, um, your sodium levels, what's going on with that, your electrolytes, um, and making sure that you're still getting enough fiber in the diet because that's going to be important as well for your gut microbiome um, and, and just for your general health and getting a lot of those plant compounds that I post a lot about as well that actually work on the cellular level. There are definitely benefits. It's not for everybody. Um, and I, I would not suggest it like super, super long-term if you have hormonal issues going on, uh, like blood sugar dysregulation issues as well. So the McDonald's burger without the bone, the whipped cream, bacon, everything, that's not the right way to go? Yeah, you just eat all the butter you want and then like put the <laughs> butter on some cheese and then put that on the hot dog and then like just keto nation and then eat all the keto cookies you want. Mm, yep. so. <laughs> okay, so moving on from that, it's kind of an upgraded keto is carnivore. I'm yeah. guessing your thoughts aren't good on that either. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I haven't personally done it again. If you're somebody, I, I mean, I get it for the point. I think what a lot of these have in common is that they eliminate a lot of stuff that we should not be eating. So like, I like all of them for all of those reasons. Like, okay. Yeah. Don't eat as much sugar. Maybe don't eat as much processed food. Like maybe you shouldn't be eating cereal seven times a day. Like maybe you don't need bread at every single meal. Like, you know, so I, I think removing a lot of those things, artificial sweeteners, like that's all good stuff. Like we can all play nicely with that. Um, the carnivore diet, I think people feel good on it, of course, because they're removing a lot of these things that have probably been pro-inflammatory to them. Even things that are, quote, healthy, like nightshade vegetables for some people, eggs, dairy, corn, um, peanuts, legumes, like things that could be problematic, histamine-rich foods, um, all that kind of stuff. So again, I don't know long-term what like your social life is going to be like and if you're going to... Um, how good you're going to feel as far as depending on, on what your genetics are as well. Um, I think you can oscillate any of these diets. If you want to go carnivore like two days a week, cool, do it. Um, but again, long-term, I mean, I know there's people out there who would, you know, show cherry pick data all day and show the, the researches of that. But a lot of these have not been around long enough to really see what's going to be happening to people in 20 plus years from now. So if anything, there's a lot of good research on Mediterranean style diets, which a lot of that goes back to the basics. Like, you can drink some red wine every now and again, um, you know, eating wild caught fish, um, whole grains are totally okay. Fruits, veggies, like whole real food. So I think 
carnivore diet maybe has time and place. I personally wouldn't do it, but I also love carbohydrates and potatoes. So for me, it would be a no. <laughs> Plus a lot of the people who are preaching the benefits are male. Um, oh. They don't have menstrual cycles and hormones. So there's the exception of that. And we used yeah. to say in nutrition that all of the different diet camps can agree that vegetables are good and lots of fruits and vegetables, but carnivore kind of is the exception to that as well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And again, I mean, you know, you're missing out on fiber, you're missing out on, and I know there's, there was actually this one guy who was like saying that fiber is not good for you and you don't need it. And, and again, I think that that's just confusing people more. You know what I mean? Like, um, do I think if your option is doing the carnivore diet or, you know, eating McDonald's three times a week, like, yeah, try the carnivore diet for a bit and then see how you feel. Do something for like, I tell people like two weeks at a time, you know, like do it for two weeks, really commit to it assess how you feel in two weeks, some non-scale victories to like, what's my skin health like? What's my sex drive like? What's my energy? Does my hair look good? Like, do I feel good? Um, what is this doing to my social life? Like how much balance do I have? And do I see myself doing this in six months from now? If any of those you're checking off red flags, then you might say, okay, maybe I don't want to do this forever. And then you try something new. Completely opposite to that is the vegan diet. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the vegan diet, if you're doing it for religious reasons or, you know, people are doing it for personal reasons, I get it. Um, but if you're doing it because you think you're going to be healthier, I would strongly advise against it. I mean, you're really just missing out on a lot of really good nutrients. Um, you know, you're very low in a lot of your B vitamins, zinc, iron, um, you know, so you're missing a lot of your amino acids, even though people will say you can get them from plants. And I get that. Um there's a lot of, you know, research that talks about having lower levels of some of these neurotransmitters, um, again, because a lot of the building blocks of those are amino acids and B vitamins. Um, some of the grains can be problematic for people. And what I see a lot with some of these vegan diets as well is they're just eating vegan versions of unhealthy things. So like vegan pizza and vegan burritos and all of that all day long. So, I mean, if you're truly being a vegan and you're like not even, you know, using honey and, and things like that, um, for, like I said, religious personal reasons, I get it. But long term, I would definitely um, advise against it. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> what about detoxes? So, either juice cleanses, skinny teas, or even functional medicine detoxes with all of these powders and protocols and herbs. What are your thoughts on that? Another completely different um, yeah. types of detoxes. Um, so detoxes in general, uh, are like a hard no for me as far as the fit tea life goes and the juice cleanses and people thinking that that's how detoxification works. Your body detoxes every single day on its own. I am a fan of supporting detoxification pathways, which we have like six different detoxification pathways. Like your liver is one of them. Um, you know, things like your skin is even a detoxification pathway, um, and making sure that you're just moving and again, detoxifying from bullshit thoughts and people and all that I think is important too. You're not going to get that in a three-day cleanse. You didn't build up all your toxins in three days or seven days. So you're not going to get all of that out as well. Um, so supporting your colon, making sure you're going to the bathroom and all that. I know there are some people who do like the semi-elemental diet and stuff like that. That is definitely a little bit different. If you're under the uh, guidance of a, of a doctor and a practitioner and things like that, there could definitely be some benefits, but I don't think that um, you need to be detoxing all the time or thinking that detox tea or waste trainers or whatever is going to be helping you because detoxification is something that we do every single day, all year round. So we need to be supporting those detoxification pathways and organs um, all the time. Very true. What about CBD? So there's CBD everything these days, chocolate bars, drinks, supplements, 
do you do you like that do you, f- do you feel like it's effective or is it just another kind of hype i think when cbd first came out it was really really good i mean it still is really good there's a lot of benefits right we have our endocannabinoid system we have cb recept- cb1 receptors like in the brain cb2 more so like in the peripheral nervous system like there's definitely hardcore benefits um but you can get cbd um from other things the cannabinoids are found in other things like echinacea kava um cocoa like you can get it from other things just besides uh, you know, like using CBD products. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of confusion uh, on the consumer's part about what makes a true CBD product quality. There's really no, uh, you know, there's a lot of marketing puffery around it still, what full spectrum mean versus isolates. Um, I don't think isolates are great. I think full spectrum is better, but there's really no regulatory right now as to what that definition means. Um, so I think people have to you know, be careful about where they're actually getting it from as well. Um, and like I said, I, I definitely think there's a little bit of a placebo effect, but there definitely are really good health benefits. And I think if that's your option, as opposed to taking some of these other drugs and medications, like it's one step closer to nature. Like I'm definitely a fan of it. It works for a lot of things, but like, do you need to be putting CBD in like your soda and chocolate bars? Probably <laughs> not. You can just take the CBD. And interesting, I didn't know about the other plant compounds and the other herbs that had CBD in there. That's yeah. interesting. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, because the cannabinoids again, like that's just, you know, I, I believe it's like there's a hundred different cannabinoids that are there, I think there's 85 that are found um in the cannabis plant, like THC and CBD mm. are two of the bigger ones. Um, but like I said, like black pepper actually is a form um of C like has CBD, uh liverwort, uh rosemary even. So you can get this kava. Um, these are all things that you can also kind of have that same sort of chill, relaxing feeling from. Mm. Cool. Um, and intermittent fasting is another thing that's all the rage these days with the benefits of autophagy and um, helping to prevent cancer reoccurrence, those types of things. Although it's not suitable for everyone, are you a fan? Do you practice this yourself? I personally don't practice it myself because I love eating. Like I live to eat, so I don't, but there are definitely a lot of really good health benefits to it. Um, as far as mitochondrial health, apoptosis, things that you were talking about as well. Um, even like growth hormone. So there, there are for sure benefits. Um, people I think who are doing it sometimes for weight loss, it's just another way of creating a calorie deficit. It's not, you know, um, magical by any means as far as that goes. So I think it depends what you're using it for. I see some women use it as like a form of having another eating disorder. So I don't love that. Uh, but it's definitely something that I think you can do modified fast. I think one of the easiest ways to do it, like my version of fasting is I eat dinner like kind of early, like let's say I eat dinner at like seven and then maybe I won't eat for another 12 hours, like until 7am and have breakfast. So like I'm a big proponent of that. But again, if you feel good on it, if you have more energy, um, there's definitely really good research on it. Um, but I think you do have to be a little bit more advanced with your nutrition and yourself. Hmm. Yeah, so we've got a couple more. The next one is the medical medium. So I actually watched, um, I saw a clip of Keeping Up With The Kardashians. It kind of came on the TV and he was actually on the helping Kim Kardashian with her psoriasis. So I feel like he's he's very popular anyway, but I feel like now everyone's going to be heading straight to his website, buying his books. Do you feel like that's a good thing or not really? I think... Anybody who's out there promoting health for good reasons, like not just trying to steal money from people on like a, you know, crazy detox plan, whatever is beneficial. Like I I think his intentions are really well. Um, I, I don't, 
think that anybody who is claiming to cure anybody of everything with one thing like celery juice or whatever, like, I don't agree with that personally. Um, there's definitely benefits to what he talks about. I mean, you know, I think we could all agree that if you drink some more green juice and, you know, drink some less soda, like that's going to be a good time for everybody involved. Um, but to think that that's going to cure all of your problems, probably not. And I also just don't love that he doesn't really talk about the science of things so much in his books. Um, but again, I think if you're maybe new to it, like, it's going to be helpful on some level. I wouldn't live or die by it. Um, but I, I think he means well. I think he's helping more people than he's hurting. I would just like to see people not be so religious about like, this is the only way that I, I can be with this. Um, and again, I think anything you're doing with your health, like take it with a grain of salt, listen to your body, um, and maybe not doing it forever. But um, I, I think the you know, I, I think he's doing a good job at least making people aware that you can, you know, juice and, and mm. eat more fruits and, and vegetables and, you know, feel good. Yeah, there's some good intentions there. Was it your Instagram that I saw you when you were moving, you left his book behind? I did, I and then you got, you got a yeah. vicious attack. Yeah. Just again, because for me, um, I just, I don't, I don't think anybody should ever be saying if you do X, Y, Z, it's going to cure X, Y, Z. That's just not like, to me, that's malpractice. I, and I think because in the industry that I'm in, like claim substantiation and regulatory affairs and all that, like people, you get, you go to jail for that. Like that's not okay. Um, at least in the industry that I'm in and nutraceuticals and herbaceuticals and, and supplements and all that kind of stuff. So I don't love that. Um, but like I said, I mean, if you get some cool juicing recipes out of it, like great. But if anybody thinks that they're going to cure, prevent, mitigate diseases, like that's just not happening. Mm -hmm. Next is caffeine, particularly coffee. So it's either loved or completely demonized. It's the best thing, cancer curing, all of these things, or it's like the devil in a cup the next day. Yeah. I know that you're a fan. How do you think it's beneficial for most people? And do you feel like it's just the people who overdo it that are kind of causing problems? So what people don't realize about coffee is that the main compound in coffee is caffeine, which is also found in things like tea, right? So people who are on this matcha kick. So the compounds that are found in coffee is what makes it so beneficial. Caffeic acid, chlorogenic acid, polyphenols, um, caffeine itself, all of these have been shown to work on things like BDNF and you know your neuron growth. They have antioxidant properties. There's good research that talks about it helping liver health as well. So if you are drinking organic black coffee or like black espresso, espresso, that is going to be beneficial. If you're adding a bunch of sugar and milk and getting these like frappuccinos and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, that's not going to be great. If you have super dysregulated adrenal issues going on, maybe that's not going to be great for you. If you're drinking 12 cups a day and you're still tired, like it's probably not helping you, but caffeine itself, there's really good benefits, especially for the brain. So you don't have to drink coffee necessarily to get the caffeine benefits. Um, but there is good research on it. If you don't love it, then don't drink it. If you mm. do like it, um, try and get it organic if you can. Um, support your local coffee shop, you know, try and, and do that as well. And uh, drink it black if you can as well. Perfect. That's, I think lots of people are going to love you for that. Take the <laughs> I'm Italian, so I, my, my blood is like part espresso. <laughs> and last but not least is the humble potato. So all of the um, rage these days is the low carb diet with the keto, with the carnivore, and people are demonizing carbohydrates from starches, potatoes. 
I know that you're a fan of the potato diet. You really want it to become a, a thing. Why yeah. is that? I just, I mean, I just joke because, I mean, I think that I originally started that joke because everything was like keto X or paleo Y. And so I'm like, cool, next year, the next thing's going to be the potato diet. The carnivore diet, people are just eating meat. Um, and so potatoes aren't inherently bad. They've gotten a really bad rap over the years, but um, they're actually one of the most nutrient dense foods. I mean, there's amino acids in there. There's protein, there's B vitamins, you're getting zinc, you're getting selenium. Uh, if you're cooking them and cooling them, you're getting resistant starch, which is really good for your gut bacteria, potassium. I mean, there's so many good benefits to eating potatoes. And again, like potatoes are not your problem at the end of the day. Um, so I, I just think there's like a lot of good plant compounds in there and like vitamins and minerals that you can get. Um, so I, I think people could benefit from, you know, not having to worry about if they have to never eat a potato again, uh, that's not going to kill them. And you can eat potatoes after 6 PM. Like, you know, they don't all of a sudden become more, you know, having more carbohydrates or become fattening. So just, again, just trying to break some myths around like how crazy we, we are about, you know, trying to get healthy and, you know, believing some of these, you know, crazy, you know, myths that live out there. Yeah. Deaf people are definitely going to love you now. You're letting them have the potatoes and the coffee. Yeah. You know, in the morning, just make yourself some potato hash browns and drink some coffee and laugh at memes. And I mean, like you're going to be living your best life. That's what I do every day. And I feel pretty happy. Healthy, so. <laughs> living the dream exactly <laughs> okay so I want to finish up with a few more questions to get for people to get to know you a little bit better so I know they're going to love you already but just so they can um, find out more about Brianna the first one is what's your favorite plant compound so we probably can tell by now that you're a fan of herbs antioxidants all of these different plant compounds do you have a favorite or is that like choosing your favorite child Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, I love flavonoids in general. So like the different polyphenols, um, you know, that are found in like, uh, you know, grapes and red wine and chocolate and cocoa and things like that. Quercetin is probably one of my favorite as well, just because that works on the inflammatory pathways. It kind of works as a nice natural antihistamine. So maybe quercetin would, would be a, a top one. And then I think caffeic acid is like a close second as mm. well. So yeah. <laughs> and this may be a similar question, but is the one herb, nutrient, or supplement that you just couldn't live without? So if you were deserted on a desert island, if you had your potatoes and your coffee, is there another thing that you'd need to have with you? Uh, I would say for the sake of uh, keeping things general, like digestive bitters. If everybody had to start with one herb today to walk away with, go and get digestive bitters. Um, it's you can take them before meals and between meals. All the herbs that are generally in there are very good for so many different things. Like they work on, you know, the digestive tract. They work on, you know, your mucous membranes. They can work on inflammation. Um, they can work on the liver. They can work on your blood as a blood tonic. So digestive bitters for sure, because digestion in, in traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about this all the time. Like it's your digestive fires. Um, you know, how are you digesting life? Like I have gut feelings, right? Like a lot of that goes back to digestive issues. So if you could support digestion and take digestive bitters, um, and I always like travel with them. So I would say that for sure. That's a good one. And they're not commonly used, are they? they people are trying all these weird, wacky supplements, but yeah. some of the most simple traditional things could have the most effects. So I love that you've mentioned yeah. that one. This is how you know I'm a nerd. One of my friends actually started a digestive bitters company a few years back and he was telling me about it and he was like, yeah, do you want these, to try these bitters out? And I was like, oh my God, I love bitters. Digestive health is like one of my favorite topics. And he was like, no, Brianna, for um, alcohol, like for an old fashioned. <laughs> 
was like, oh yeah, well, because that just shows how much I like don't drink and party. I mean, they're pretty much the same thing, but he was like, you know, he's doing it for, you know, a, a, like a cocktail company kind of thing. But so I think people know bitters from like, if you drink a Manhattan or yeah. something like that, but I'm like, oh no, bitters for digestion. <laughs> they could have a similar effect. Yeah. It's a good conversation starter. You know, you're out at a bar with your friends and you're like, you want to add some bitters to this? And that's yeah. how you make friends anywhere you travel and you exactly. go. <laughs> I'm with you. Don't worry. What's something that you're into lately? So this could be health related. It can be completely random. Mm, what am I into lately? Um, it's the summer. So just playing outside. Um, you know, anytime I can be outside, just like walking outside. I love, uh, like if you can watch a sunset, catch a sunset, um, paddle boarding in the summer is like really fun or just like playing at the beach. Um, and just being social. Like I'm generally a social recluse, especially when I get back from traveling and things like that. But I think the summer is nice because the days are longer. So just go outside and like have a fun time with people that you want to be around and like play in the sun. That's it. Get that daily D. Get the daily D. It's so <laughs> important. Just go play outside and, and, you know, like have a good time. So finishing up now, I just want to ask you to give the listeners one piece of takeaway advice. So apart from the digestive bitters, if you could summarize this whole recording into one key piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, something that I, I, has been a theme with my clients recently is, um, listening to your body and not feeling bad for it. So people will say a lot of the times, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm crazy because when I did this, I felt worse. And our bodies are really smart and very intuitive. So if you feel like something is not working or something is off, don't question yourself about that. Um, like your body talks to you through symptoms, right? So like your body is trying to tell you something is working or not working. So really learn to listen to your body more. Like, does this make me feel better or worse? Um, you know, am I enjoying my life right now? And taking a real deep dive and an assessment of the quality of your life outside of how you look in a bikini, right? So like, what's my energy levels like? What are my relationships like with my friends? Um, how am I contributing to making these things better or worse? Uh, and that, I think that's a big thing too. And also just uh, meeting yourself where you are on your health journey. Don't be so hard about being like, well, I used to be this size or I used to do this and I used to work out like, or I want to get to this place. Like be where you are and enjoy that time because like I, I said earlier, the time is going to pass regardless. So, you know, listen to your body. Um, don't second guess it and think you're crazy for it or take the influence of like health haters and be where you are in your health journey. Perfect. I think you've summed that up so well and I've absolutely loved this episode. It's actually one of the best ones that I've done so far, in my opinion. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sure, excited. I'm sure everyone's going to love this one and want to connect with you online. So where, they, where can they find you? What's your Instagram handle? And what are you up to totally. So, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I'm always <laughs> traveling all around. So I'm always, um, you'll see me just kind of like bopping around, living in hotels and doing random rants when I'm at the airport. But you can find me on Instagram. My handle is just Brianna Diorio. My website is BriannaDiorio.com. Um, and then my Facebook page is Brianna Max Diorio. So that's kind of just all me all the time so yeah I mean I'm mostly just researching all day and traveling and um, drinking various forms of coffee throughout the day and eating potatoes so you can follow along and see me do that. <laughs> living your best life exactly yeah. <laughs> connecting with awesome people like you on Aww. Instagram and 
stalking fun people um, who are have good knowledge. So cool. Yeah, definitely want to have you back on again. There's probably three more pages of questions that I could ask you, but I'm respectful of your time and I know that you're really busy and you've got a lot to do. And yeah, just thank you so much for joining us today and hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was truly an honor and I will continue to stalk you on Instagram as well. <laughs> thanks, Brianna. Have a good one. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. If you like this episode, please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.